I have declared that this year is the year of the family. And you might say, well, I don't have a family. Well, welcome to the family, all right? Welcome to the family. I, I, am, I am so grateful for being here. I, when I talked about this being the year of the family and uh, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. One of the things that I'm reminded of is when I moved here, uh, I had never... I had never been to Virginia Beach, Virginia until the day I moved here, uh, which will be uh, uh, January uh, 17th will be that particular day, January 17th, 32 years ago, all right? So, but it was Diane and I, and we had uh, a little toddler and and one that was not, well, just it was a year old, right at that, yeah, a little over a year, and, um, and we left all of our family, we left everybody that we knew, there was nobody around here that was related to us whatsoever, and we came here, and we found family. So when, when we are away, uh, and we are with our, our, you know, our flesh and blood family, we are, we're not with all of our family because, and I, and I don't want to say this just because it sounds, you know, that sounds really, you know, passionate. No, I want you to know that uh, I, was, I was adopted right here first, all right? And so, and, and I want you to understand also that one of the things that happens often uh, is people move here from out of town. Did you know that? We have a lot of transients. How many people are here that are from somewhere else originally? Lift your hand, all right? That's most of you, all right? And so I want you to understand that we are here and and it's God's intention for us to be mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. We used to do it almost religiously. Anybody remember that? We'd look at each other and say, brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so. You have mothers of the church and things like that. We're not sure what that meant, all right? Because uh, I didn't know some people's names. I was like eight years old and calling people brother, you know, and I, you know, somebody that was old enough to be my granddad, brother so-and-so, I'd probably been better off to call him Pop. Probably would have been better off to do that. But then to actually enter in relationally with people until they had that ability to influence me paternally, or I have the ability to influence people as family, spiritual family, people that can be trusted and you know that in the eternal kingdom, we understand that we are all family, right? Is that right? We're supposed to be that. People that we can depend upon, people that we can love. I think um, Martin knew it, knew it was about families, you know? We need to get our homes together. Uh, and I'm grateful for that, that time. How many know we needed that time? We needed that particular time. And, and we need people who truly are after God today, Right? that will continue to draw us closer together. I, I've listened over and over. Anybody listen to like uh, uh, Sirius XM or anything? Anybody have that satellite radio? Only me? Okay. And on the message, I listen to message quite a bit. And uh, Mandisa has this song out right now called We All Bleed the Same. Have you heard that? We all, and Kirk Franklin's also on it. And uh, I've heard it several times and I, I think that the, the message is this, is when you get right down to it, it doesn't matter what your fleshly DNA says, your spiritual DNA is this, that we all are the same. Amen? Amen. 
So today I want to continue in the series. We're looking in Romans 8.16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. <clears throat> if you look at that entire verse, it's, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And Abba means what? Daddy. Daddy. The Spirit Himself bears with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you, don't, if you don't understand that you are a child of God, you're going to struggle. Say, yeah, I get that, Pastor, I get it, you're a child of God. But you also are a child of God. And when you begin to listen to Holy Spirit, when you begin to deny your sinful nature and listen to Holy Spirit, then you will begin to acknowledge that not only are you a child of God, but you're sitting next to somebody that's also a child of God. And we need to stir up that understanding Rejoice in that and live in it. We also have been looking at Genesis chapter 35 uh, during this time where Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Uh, he says, then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. We were studying that scripture and in studying this teaching, what we understand is that God wants to raise individual up, individuals up as patriarchs so that we can call people to godliness and to righteousness. Your life should be impacting others. Not only should your life be impacting others, but as fathers and mothers, your life should be impacting your children. Yes. Right? You should be able to call people to godliness and to righteousness. In the series, we're also, we've also developed some objectives. And uh, I just want to remind you of these objectives. Three objectives that I want to point you to. One is reaching every family. Every family. Here's my, here's my goal. I believe that there are those of you in this room that have, have physical family members that I have never met. Am I right? Family members, perhaps, that could use a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so over the years, we've, we've had certain events, but how do you know, do you know that sometimes church events end up being just church events? Am I right? For instance... How many have ever been to a Freedom Fellowship picnic? All right? Now, you may not know this. That picnic is not just for you. The idea behind church picnics is that you would find somebody that might not come to the church house and bring them outside to a picnic because they might eat a piece of chicken, but they're not interested in being at the house because they've got all kinds of ideas. And what we just want to acquaint and get to know them. So we're going to have more and more events for you to bring other individuals. Now, you might have, how many have some people that are not flesh and blood family, but they're like family to you? Anybody got those folks? And they live in the neighborhood, live around. We want to give you more and more opportunities to bring those people uh, into the church because we want your family to know Jesus. I want you to go ahead and write it down somewhere. This year, all of my family's coming into the kingdom. Just write it down. And does that sound okay? And start praying regarding that. Secondly, I want to empower every family during this season. 
I want fathers and mothers, I want, I want you to be empowered this year so that you can rise up and make a difference, a greater difference in your family. How many have ever felt like nobody listened to you? Anybody ever felt that way before? Hey, nobody listened to me. You're going to like my sermon today then. All right. Just that, that feeling like it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. I want to empower you until you can get to the place where you know that your words are having an impact on others, specifically in your family, in your home. Uh, your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, your children, your nephews, nieces, the people that you call family. And thirdly, I want us to have a better understanding as we embrace everyone as a part of the Freedom Fellowship family. I think sometimes we lose that because we only sometimes engage on a Sunday and it's like a, you know, a hug or a handshake on a Sunday morning. How many know family is supposed to be more than that? You understand that? So we're going to focus on these objectives, have more and more action uh, steps to these things during this year of the family. Today, I want to talk to you from this topic, spiritual influence. Now, I have uh, spoken on the topic spiritual influence and worked on influence. I've talked about making a difference, but I I want to go deeper in this today. We're going to look in Mark chapter 9. All things, read that with me. All things are possible to... Come on, read it out loud. All things are possible to him who believes. Specifically, uh, I want this word to impact your lives so that you can impact others. There are several passages of scriptures that I want to look at. I've already read Genesis chapter 35, verse uh, 2 through 4, regarding Jacob. Can you see in Genesis 35, 2 through 4, how Jacob has influence on his family? I mean, could you imagine getting, having a family reunion and then somebody standing up and saying, look, one of the things we're going to do, do today is we're going to discuss idolatry, all of those things that are more important to you than God, and before this gathering is over, what I'd like to see is you just bring those things up and we're going to bury them right here under a tree. And they would say, okay, okay, Grandma, <laughs> just bring the banana pudding, okay? Just don't be, don't be messing with my religion, all right? We just come to hug each other. We didn't want to get, like, serious about Jesus or nothing, all right? What I would like to do is shift until you could have spiritual influence on your homes and your families. Anybody want this? Yes. All right, I'm not just talking to grandpas and grandmas. Even though being a grandpa, I want to be an influencer At the same time, I think all of us need to rise up. And Jacob, we see that Jacob had a mess in his life, but he gets to this final place, to this great place, where finally his influence is is having a massive effect. But I also want to look at Mark chapter 9 today. And and let's look at the scripture first, and then we'll learn some things from both of these. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, talking to Jesus, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy, and when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire, into water to destroy him. 
but if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, okay, we've got a crowd now. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying that you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. <laughs> so I, you probably have more of that in your notes there, but... Uh, uh, pretty powerful little scripture, and I know it sounds like a horror movie, right? Like, what? Foaming at the mouth and all of that. Uh, I have some insight on this I think it's going to make a difference. I want, to, I want to answer the question, what do you do when it seems like you've lost control? What do you do in your home when it seems like I'm out of control now? Anybody been there before? It's like, okay, all right, everybody, we're just going to have a family time out right now. What do you do when things are just so messed up and it seems like it doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you do, there's no control anymore? I believe we have an influence or a lack of influence issue in our culture, not just in our homes, but in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, especially in our household, and it's reasonable. Because of such brokenness that's in our homes. And how many know brokenness perpetuates brokenness? And brokenness, unforgiveness perpetuates unforgiveness. Uh, broken uh, marriages perpetuates the same brokenness. Children in rebellion and confusion perpetuates more rebellion and more confusion. And a nation seems to has, has, has lost its place and its ability to influence. I've met so many parents and people that feel like they are disabled and disconnected. We have a culture that struggles. A culture that... It's interesting because we have a culture that believes... And I hear this. How many have ever heard, what we need is love in this culture? Anybody heard that? We need love. And, and I, I've heard this... Uh, anybody heard that song, you know, all we need is love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. How many have heard these, all right, and, and sang them? So uh, it, it seems like our culture says that it believes in unconditional love. But my, my sense of agape love is... Is, it is that our culture really doesn't believe in that. If so, it would even love those who disagree. The belief system that we have in our culture is more unconditional affirmation. Does that ring a bell? In other words, no matter who you are, as long as you're doing you, then I'm going to, honey, bless you. If, hey, if that's what you want, I'm, I'm just going to. So the only influence that we have is to tell everyone you're okay. 
even when everybody's not okay. We don't have a place. We don't have a platform. So then I tell you that. You say, well, Pastor Rick told me to come out and tell you, you're not okay. Please don't help me preach my sermon that way, okay? I, I, I don't need that kind of assistance. Let me preach the whole wor- word before you decide what you're going to do. Anything in our culture that is shy of affirmation is considered hatred. So if I look at you and I say, look, there's a better way for you to do life. You say, hey, don't be telling me about a better way. Don't be a hater. You want me to preach this today? One big thing I want to talk to you about. We need a proper flow of God's influence through our lives. We need a true flow. And I want to positively influence my home. How many, got any men in the house? I got some men in the house. Can I preach to some men? I want you to have a positive influence, a God influence into your home and family. I want the right spirit. How many know we need that right stuff? Don't make me go back and be a boy band, whoever that is. I want the right stuff, the right spirit. The Holy Spirit, come on, to influence me and to influence others through me. Again, we were looking in Genesis 35 and 2, where Jacob is saying to his household, to all who are with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves, change your garments, and then let us arise and go to Bethel, house of God, the place where we can meet God. What we find in Jacob here is growth. He moved from a deceiver to a believer. How many know you cannot manipulate your way through life? He had moved from a deceiver to a believer. He now has the power of influence over his home and his children. Parents, how many have some older children? Remember when you had influence over your kids and then they grew up? Remember that? It's like, remember you could tell them what clothes they should wear and what time? It, it, what time was bedtime? You know, I, I don't have that ability anymore. They grew up. But you don't want that influence. What you want now is to be able to show them an eternal way. And hopefully, and I believe, listen, I believe in those first five, six, seven years, if you don't have some influence there, don't expect to have it when they're 12 and 13 and 14. You need to influence that. I got some amens there. You need to be able to influence earlier. But if you're late, it's never too late for the Holy Spirit. What is it going to take to get that kind of, the kind of influence you truly need? If we're going to engage our homes and families, if we're going to engage our husbands and wives and even our children, we need to regain our spiritual influence, the kind of influence that causes people to hear us and lives to be changed. So if you're taking notes, just a few things I'm going to say. First of all, I'm going to call you to do something by faith. Say it. Do something by faith. Anybody believe God? Anybody? How many times know that sometimes you need to do something by faith, trusting God for the outcome? Mark 9, Jesus said to him, If you can, said to this father, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Anybody in the room think too much? Where are you? Where's my overthinkers? Where are you? Okay, we call this analysis paralysis. Right? You've been thinking about it. Come on, I've been thinking about doing something. 
I've been thinking about it. Somebody shout, do something. The biblical text of the story in Mark 9, there's several truths in this story that we can draw understanding from. One is um, the crowd is involved. And the crowd is all involved. The crowd, a great crowd is coming. They came, they came to the disciples. They saw a great crowd around them, the scribes arguing with them. So we got religious leaders. We got the disciples. We got a crowd. And here's, let me tell you something about the crowd. Just in case you are really interested in what the crowd has to say, the crowd cannot agree on what to do. Can I get a witness from somebody? How many know there's a lot of confusion in the crowd? I mean, can you, can you get the government to agree on what to do? Somebody shake your head. Has there ever been a time when they could agree? No, no, no. No, can't agree. The culture itself, can we agree? No, we cannot agree. So someone said from the crowd and answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. This is not a new problem. All right? The, 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 listen, the father has brought a child to Jesus and his kid is not talking to him. Come on, get out of the demonology for a moment. Come back to me just for a minute, okay? The child is not speaking. I can't get this child to talk to me. And when they do, I just want them to shut up. Verse 21, Jesus answered his father, asked his father, how long has this child, has this been happening? Since he was a child. From his early childhood, we don't know how old this kid is right now, but since he was a kid, he started acting this way, and I couldn't get control of him, and now he's a middle school kid, and I'm totally out of control. So Jesus explains that this is a generational issue. He, he says in verse 19, he answered, he said, faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that this problem with this child is not just a parent problem. It's a problem that's in the generation. It's deeply into the culture. How long am I going to put up with this particular culture? Bring the child with me. The generation doesn't have any power to deliver this child. I love this father because this child has, this father has moved from going to the crowd to leading the crowd. He, he, he is leading the crowd. He's been to the disciples. He's been to the Pharisees. He's been to the scribes. Now he's going to Jesus, and everybody's just kind of following the father who says, I'm going to find something to influence my child to get my child to be set free. I love that here. I love this. He's, he's you know, he's, uh, he's making a move. He's going to Jesus. Anybody love Jesus in this house? I've asked before. Anybody just really love Jesus? Johnny, would you come and help me just for a moment? Just come up here for a moment. I know you're tired and all, but yeah, I love you. Johnny kind of looks like Jesus to me because he has a beard, okay? Look, how many know Jesus had to have a beard? All right, right? Nathan agrees, all right? I'd use Tim Romo, but I don't know that Jesus had a white beard, okay? So kind of looks like Jesus. Just walk with me if you would, okay? How many believe that Jesus goes with you everywhere you go? 
Anybody believe that? No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing. How many believe that? How many are thankful that Jesus is with you? Anybody thankful? Anybody thankful? Because this is pretty much what we believe about Jesus, all right? That he's just following us, following us around. I get in a mess. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. You know, you ever think Jesus might want to say something like, you got yourself in the mess? Because, walk that way. If you'd have been following me, you wouldn't be here right now. I mean, we're so into... I'm with you always that we don't even know what it means. He was talking to his apostles, his disciples. Look, guys, I want you to know that you're going to go get in some struggle. But I want you to know that when you're in struggle, I'm going to be there with you because you're going to be preaching the gospel and people are going to persecute you. And you're going to go through struggles. But I want you to know in those hard times, I'm going to be right there with you. But the, the idea was that they were following the Lord Jesus. And as they followed the Lord Jesus, he was going to take them into some warfare. He's going to take them into some difficult times. But he was not going to alienate them in the middle of the battle. So now we have a culture that just believes, you know, if Jesus was real, he'd take care of me. Well, you just keep running off and leaving Jesus. You're ducking and hiding, trying to get away from him all the time, doing what you want to do, wondering why your family's in a mess. Jesus been walking and said, hey, why don't you talk to me about it? Let me help you lead your family. And you're saying, well, you know, I, you know, I've been Googling how I do family. <laughs> been Googling how to talk to my wife. I've been Googling. Jesus, why don't you talk to me? This is not cool to talk to you. Why don't you, well, just read my book. The owner's manual. The instructions. Read your book. You, you know that's an old book. Then you start quoting some other junk like, I don't even know if that's interpreted right. I don't know how it's translated. Because you live in a confused generation that has tried to tell you that the most researched book ever in all of history. The first book. A culture that's telling you, you can't read that book. You, you can't. No, it's the word of God. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is telling you that. And then finally one day, he said, wait a minute. I'm tired of this perverse generation telling me what to do. I think I'll follow Jesus. And suddenly my influence changes. I start saying something like this. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus takes me by the hand and my influence shifts. Do something by faith. You might say, well, I don't know Jesus that well. Get to know Jesus. Do something. Lord Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but you know what it is. Help my unbelief. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. How many relate to what I'm saying right now? Father cries out, I have lived as a part of this unbelieving generation. My issue is my belief. So the miracle, how many believe the miracle is contingent upon believing? Anybody believe that? My miracle is contingent upon believing. Believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. So whoever you are, let's, let's, let's go back. Whoever you are, then I'm going to call you to this. Act upon the authority that you have been given by God. Act upon that. And Jacob, that's what he does. 
once he gets Israel's attention, once he gets his family's attention, he begins to respond. Once you get their attention, you can start acting in authority. Even as a godly man or woman, helping them to put away those things that are false gods in their lives, that can be tough. But ultimately, the question of winning or losing isn't about everyone getting their way. All right, I haven't preached about this all season, okay? It's almost over. Football season's almost over, and I have not talked about football, all right? Somebody shout amen. amen. Don't say thank you right now, but I haven't. I didn't talk about the playoffs. I haven't talked about the NFL. I didn't know if people beat me up or not, so I'm not talking about the NFL. I'm trying to stay right. I'm going to talk about college football, all right? I really, really, just so you know, I really wanted my Ohio State Buckeyes to be there, all right, in the playoffs. But some other team from Alabama was there. If I got any Alabama fans in the room. See, must not have too many or they'd went, roll tide, roll tide, you know, so. Anyway, I'm going to confess this because I wanted the Buckeyes to be in that final four playoff. I really wanted Alabama to get beat, you know, because that was our position. Then I watched the games, and I thought, man, my Buckeyes could beat them all. But I'm going to put all of that aside right now, all right? Because Alabama did win the national championship. And it was a, it, the game interested me greatly. Got any leaders in the room? Got anybody that maybe are a leader in business? Or, okay, I asked for leaders in the room. Got any... Got any Parents in the house. All right, got family. Okay, you're a leader. All right, I want you to hear what I'm about to say because uh, Alabama was losing the game. They were playing, right? Uh, they were playing Georgia for the championship, and they were losing 13 to nothing at halftime. 13 to nothing. Their quarterback's name was Jalen Hurt. Anybody heard of Jalen before? Jalen, incredible quarterback, 17-2 and two was his record. He'd only had one interception. And it was 13 to nothing at halftime they were getting beat. And Coach Nick, Nick Saban at halftime made a choice. I'm going to bench the quarterback that has led me to this place, and I'm going to bring in a true freshman quarterback who has never played a college football game in his life. That freshman quarterback turned the game around and in overtime threw a 41-yard pass that won the game. Now, I know some of you say, I, I, don't, get, I don't get what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is uh, one of the reasons that we're not leaders and influencers is because we can't make a decision. We're too busy sitting on our authority while everything just stays the same way that it always has been. Preach, Pastor, go ahead. Somebody say, got to make a change. Somebody shout, got to make a change. If you're a leader, come on, am I talking? Come on, men, women, come on. Moms, dads, I'm also talking to some young people. You say, well, yeah, I'm not a leader, I'm a kid. I know, but your mom and dad don't know Jesus, and you haven't, haven't brought anything up. Haven't said, hey, Let's go to church this Sunday or let's just pray this particular moment. I don't believe in that. 
Go ahead. It's halftime and you're being shut out. I don't know if anybody believes what I'm saying. You got to take some authority. Listen, only 10% of Christian families engage in spiritual time in their marriage or in their family. Only 10%. That's what statistics suggest. All right? Get this. One out of every 10 families in this room, that would suggest, it's probably not true in this room, but one out of 10 of you do something spiritual as a family. Man, I need miracles in my home. Are you following Jesus? Maybe you need to allow him to be the QB and stop trying to run this thing yourself. Maybe you need to make some, come on, make some strong spiritual choices. Get in perverse generation has taught you to do it all. Preach, Pastor Rick. Come on. I, 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 I know in my life I've had to make some big decisions all my life. You know, some big ones, some tough ones, all right? Uh, I, 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 I've told you this story before, but, uh, you know, you like to tell all your success, success stories and not all your mess-up stories. Come on, that's what we preachers do, all right? But uh, I've had a few good pastor, a few good dad moments. I've had some bad dad moments. But, uh, you know, one of my best dad moments was when I sat down with my daughter before she got to the age of dating and said, look, if you ever date a boy and I don't like him, will you dump him just because I say you should? She said, you better have a good reason, Dad. <laughs> and I did. And the first time she dated, I said, I don't want you dating that boy. And there were some tears and some stuff. And I met a young man in the front yard of the church and said, nope, you can't date my daughter. And what? Never came back to church. And that pretty much proved my point. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Rick, preach that right now. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you can't do that. Your children. Let me, let me tell you something about influence right now. Can I talk to some parents? If you got some teenage kids right now and you're letting them ma manage their romantic life, then you are blowing it. But I love them. Really? Really? They know what love is? Uh, look, come on, look at everybody that's been through adolescence. Look at me right now. Do you remember the feelings that you had during those days? The things that were happening. In, do you remember that? Did you need help? Should you have gotten help? Would you be better off? If, come on. If it had not, and you say, oh, I, ain't gonna, I don't want to get in this stuff, they'll run away. Where are they going to run to? I know I am messing things up right now. I ain't never come back and leave that pastor again. I'm telling the truth. Stop letting the perverse generation tell you about relationships. Don't, come on. I'm asking you this personally, though. Would you help me with this? Yes. Help me with this. I want to start praying for your family. And the authority and the influence that I have, I've got to stand before the Lord one day. 
with what I teach you and what I say. I don't get to just dance around every little topic like people want me to. I can't, I don't get to do it. I'm not very good at dancing. I'm not even good at electric slide. You know, I can do it a little bit, you know, but I'm just not that good. I'm telling you this because I, ha- I have to, I have to, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a father, and I, a father in this house, and I want to influence you with the word of the living God, but I also want to pray for you. Listen, this is what I'm doing, I'm developing my own prayer book, okay, of every picture of every family and every child in this church, just so I can seek the Lord, but I, I've been through Facebook, and I can't get all your pictures, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm after you, so here's what you can do, if you want to be a part of, uh, of me praying, then send me a picture of your family and the names of your children. Send it to me. You got you, pastor at comegetfree.org or connect at comegetfree.org. I want to pray for you and, and I want to talk with you and I want to help you. So we're, we're going to be doing things this year. We're doing a strong family conference at the end of March so that we can help every marriage, every family, every single parent, every divorced parent. We want to help you in parenting. Are you with me on this? Every man, every woman, we want to help you. We want to strengthen you by the Spirit. How many believe this year could be the year for your family? Anybody believe? that? How many believe this could be the year for your family? Stop running. Stop hiding. Get ready to be influenced and being being influencer. Okay. I got to be finished. This is my last point. Okay. Act upon the authority you have been given. And thirdly, believe God for a miracle. Say it. Believe God for a miracle. Say it out loud. Believe God. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. This this is kind of simple. Believe and move forward. Most people know the Bible is filled with promises. How many believe that God's word is filled with promises? But there's a serious disconnect between being a believer and experiencing a manifestation. Does that make sense? There's a disconnect. Yeah, I'm a believer. I'm just not seeing God manifest himself in my life, in my home. How many have ever been there before? I believe in God. I come to church. I didn't get any hands raised up, but I'm raising my hand. All right. We got, we've got to deal with this disconnect between being a Christian and seeing God do miracles. Believers ought to see the miraculous. I'm going to believe God for a miracle. Matthew chapter 18. How many were here Thursday or Wednesday night? Anybody here Thursday or Wednesday? Read the scripture with me. Jesus says, again I say to you, if about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. You know, we kind of sort of believe this and kind of sort of don't. Okay? Because we just read it and say, I agree, it's going to be done. And I think we miss it right there. Okay? How many have somebody that you love dearly? Anybody have somebody that you love dearly? Okay? Somebody that you see nearly every day that you love dearly. Do you have somebody like that? Okay. Let me show you what the enemy likes to do with two people. I mean, look at these guys right here. How long y'all been married now? A hundred years? I know. See, I know that. Yeah. But you see each other every day, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and you still got your arm around her? Wow. You see her every day and you still got your arm around her? Still like you? Okay. Isn't it good to be together and to like each other? Isn't it? How many have ever said this? Well, we just see each other too much. Well, we needed some space apart. Like that, going to fix everything. What you need is to forgive each other. Somebody shout forgiveness. How many know that if two people can forgive, then they can talk to God? God's not going to answer your prayers spoken in the language of unforgiveness. Like, God, I want you to do this for me, but I'd like you to kick him in the butt because I ain't putting up with it. See what I'm saying? How many know you got to pray for people and you got to pray more for them when you don't like them? And then you have to, how many know, I'd forgive him, but they didn't ask for unforgiveness. How many have ever been there before? They didn't ask for unforgiveness. At what point in scripture did you read that the Bible says if somebody asks for forgiveness, you should forgive them? What analogy do you have for forgiveness? It's Jesus at the cross when he looks down after he's been beaten and pierced and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You forgive people who don't ask for forgiveness. They don't deserve to be forgiven. And Jesus looks at you and says, oh, that's why I died, because you deserved it. Sarcasm. (laughs) Somebody thank God that he died for you even when you were in your sins. If you want healing in your home, you better start by forgiving one another. We need to cast the deaf, mute spirit out of some marriages. Because you can't talk to one another. You can't hear each other. And you say, well, problem is the kids. Well, the kids learn deaf and mute from you. You two can't talk. And now they don't talk. Come on, Pastor Rick. Preach this thing. Because if you could get an agreement, you can't even choose what you're going to pray about. Because you don't talk together. You hear me? So, but, here's the news. If two of you can walk in agreement, can walk in unity, can walk in forgiveness, then you can ask the Father for anything and it will be done. Somebody shout, expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. Because if you can get in agreement, in right relationship with the Lord, following the Lord Jesus, you're going to see some amazing things happen. Everybody stand with me. We're closing now. Jesus, thank God for his word today. Praise God. I feel better. Uh, Pause just for a moment. Anybody need to give their life to Jesus this morning? Just wave at me. Anybody need to surrender your life over to Jesus and get right with God? Wave at me. Is there anybody in the house that needs to? If you need to give your life to Jesus, just come on down and stand up here in front. My altar workers are going to be here for you. If you need healing in your body, somebody will meet you up here to pray for you as well. Are you ready? Come on down. Come on down. If you need a miracle from God, you want somebody to anoint you and pray for you, we'll meet you up here. You coming down? All right. I got some prayer workers right over here. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to do now. Okay? I want you to get in groups. 
around this room. I want you to get, if, if you got, you're all family of God, so make some groups. All right, ready, go. Get in groups so you can look at each other in the face. Find some people that you can pray with. If it's just you and your, the love of your life that's next to you, grab that hand, you and your children. But you gotta be able to see each other, okay? You gotta see each other. These folks are gonna pray. If you have special needs, you can come up here and we'll pray for you. Okay, now wait, wait. Before you start doing stuff, go back to that, my last slide if you would. I wanna show you how to pray in community. Uh, first of all, before I get into this, no, I'm going to stay, focus on seeking the mind of God by seeking unity and agreement. Look around that circle, wherever you are, now you can pray. Look at them. If you've got any unforgiveness, if you've got any unforgiveness, all right, any unforgiveness, I want you to ask and open up in that little crew right there. Ask them, is there any unforgiveness? If you need to ask forgiveness of somebody, ask forgiveness of somebody. Go ahead and do that. Forgive me. Forgive me. Can you do that? I want you to get in unity. Somebody needs to say, I'm sorry. Look at somebody and say, I'm sorry. If you have unforgiveness towards somebody else, say, I got some unforgiveness elsewhere, and I'm going to work on that. Okay? Now, after you've done that, then I want you to ask yourself, what are our key concerns? If anybody has a key prayer need in that room, in that circle, go ahead and speak it. This is what we need God to do. Somebody open up. Go ahead. Don't be shy. I'm showing you how to have community prayer and get miracles because the church should have more manifestation of miracles. So ask somebody there. This is what's going on in my life. This is what I'd like to pray about. Go ahead. I'm watching you. I don't see a lot of talking going on. After somebody has shared that, I want you to pray confidently and specifically and begin to look to God for an answer, and I want you to expect miracles. Take the next couple of minutes and just pray together. After you finish your prayer time, I'll be back in the newcomer's room and the hospitality room. If you're new to freedom, meet us back there for your gift. Or if anybody wants to come and see me, I'll be back there. God bless you all. I love you. Play, play something. I love you all. Be dismissed when you choose.